0: Welcome to the Drinks with Friends podcast, where every week we bring you stories, experiences, and interesting facts on all things the spirits industry has to offer. So buckle up as we bring you spirits infused with a twist of comedy that leads you to a cocktail called Adventure. It's Drink O'Clock. Let's do this.
1: Welcome to Drinks with Friends. I'm here with my girl, Kate. Hello, Samantha. Hello, Kate. How are you today?
2: Great. How are you?
1: Girl, I'm living it up. I'm living it up today. It is uh, a good day, and I'm super excited because, you know, we're Drinks with Friends, and we actually have a friend. We do. We have our first yes. friend. <laughs> we have our first friend who has been brave enough to jump on the show with us. Um, we decided we're gonna talk about one of my favorites, which is beer. Yes. and I know stuff. I don't know a lot of stuff. I like to think I do. So I have a friend who actually knows a lot of stuff. So I have my good buddy Mike here from Tipples from Gainesville, Florida. Mike, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm excited to be considered a friend. I mean, hey, this is going to be awesome.
1: <laughs> well, a friend and an expert, man. Because listen, when I go to Tipple's guys, and if you follow my Instagram, you know I post a lot of beer and a lot of pictures at this one particular bottle shop. And whenever I walk in, there is a sea of bottles and cans. And I say, Mike, what do I want to drink today? And he points me in the right direction. So yes, we you need, are the expert. We need
2: people like that mm-hmm. at our local favorite liquor stores, like. Sir or Madame, I trust you, tell me, tell me what
0: to drink. It's just fun trying to fit the right person with the right beer, because, oh man, I'll tell you what, there's an ever-growing amount of beer styles and beer characteristics, and the whole genre ebbs and flows. I mean, it's almost cyclical in some cases, too.
1: Mm. Yeah, and that's kind of what we wanted to talk about, because... I feel like it's always changing, like what styles are popular, what is all the rave on social media, and then what's phasing out. And since you're the store manager, you do a lot of the ordering, don't you?
0: Mm. I do. I'm, I'm actually responsible for the beer selection at the store. Um, huh. And I try yeah. and get classics. I, I kind of look at it like a library in some cases. You got to have the classics. You got to have the Iliad. You got to have Shakespeare, but at the same time, you have to have the, you know, new novel that's heating up the New York Times bestseller list.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's a good way to look at it. (laughs) That was fucking great. (laughs) So let me ask, how long have you been um, at Tipples?
0: Well, I started in 2015. Uh, A good friend of mine was actually able to score me a job there as the assistant manager. And tipples had been a thing since 2009. Uh, I basically stumbled upon it and kind of knew at that point, this is gonna be the place where I'm gonna get my beer. This is gonna be the place where I hang out. And it just coincided that now I'm able to make a living there, which is pretty awesome.
2: What brought you to a point where you're like, hey, I want to work at a liquor store.
0: Oh man. Uh, A little bit of a long path, I guess, when it came down to it. I mean, I mean, I guess it starts with probably my first favorite beer when it comes down to it. yeah, Uh, Bellhaven Scottish Ale. It was the first beer that I drank that made me realize beer is worth drinking. It wasn't just, you know, Budweiser or Coors. I mean, back in the day, you always had the parents were like, you know, no drinking. Don't drink underage. Well, my dad was able to solve that problem by giving me just one sip of his Budweiser. I'm like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I don't want that anymore. So at that point, yeah, I wrote it off. I'm like, no more. Uh, but fortunately I I had a really good friend who was like, Hey man, I, I picked this up at the local store. It's really freaking tasty. Of course, when I say, Hey ma'am, man, it kind of sounds like it's a little shady, but uh, (laughs) not so much in that regard. Uh, and as soon as I had a taste, I just realized there was more to it than just the slightly flavored carbonated water that I had had before. You know, <laughs> That's a way to put it too. Um, well,
1: in all fairness, Mike and I were in a college town, so we're in you know Gainesville, where the University of Florida is. So, oh, yeah, even to this day, what Budweiser, Bud Light, Coors, that kind of stuff is still super prevalent here, which you guys Absolutely. don't carry, thank goodness. Thank you. Uh, and
0: don't forget hard seltzers when it comes down to it. That is most definitely something else that's that's out there. Sort yeah. of similar. You know, at least there's a little bit more flavor to it.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like that trend is kind of dying mm, off, actually. I think it well, will. Well, for
0: sure.
2: Um, I mean, I, I'm just not a huge fan, but I know so many other people are. So, I mean, you can't knock it if it's what they like to drink. But
0: hey, I guess absolutely. The-
2: flavored bubbly water than a as a beer like a coors versus a
0: seltzer I would. oh yeah yeah well and that's another story for a little bit later but, but <laughs> lagers and pilsners are kind of becoming a thing but uh yeah. to get back to the the first question uh after i realized that beer was worth drinking uh when i graduated i found myself uh at a starbucks on the university of florida campus And that's kind of when I got into coffee, Mm. tasting, expanding flavors in beverages because good beverages have depth to it. Wine, Mm. beer, uh, bourbon, tequila. There's a soul in there. And as you drink it, you kind of get to explore what makes that beverage what it is. And coffee working at Starbucks kind of got me to be able to identify certain flavor profiles. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could combine these two, beer and exploration of the beverage. And that's when the opportunity arose for me to join the team at Tipples. And, you know, going seven, eight years strong, I think, at this point. Awesome. Yes. This is awesome.
1: That I- is kind of cool. Like, I mean, coffee, like you said, there is depth to certain drinks like coffee, how we talked about the other day. Yeah. And, yeah, there's certain beers that have no depth. Mm -hmm. that are just taken at face value.
0: Yeah. Indeed. They're more like like... tools. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, Same with some of the bourbons that we talk about. You know, there's some of these lower proof bourbons that have no finish that just have a, they get you initially then fall flat.
2: Yeah. No complexity. Um, Just really, it it comes down to me, just no flavor. Um, But same thing with beer, with coffee. Um, the stronger, the better for me in terms of flavor and, um, and Sam and I are both cooks and we've talked about that before. So I feel like maybe our palate is a little more advanced than other people. Um, But then I'm also searching for what I'm drinking to have flavor, complexity, interesting notes, different characteristics. Um, Yeah. Beer included. Coffee. I love coffee too. I just... I
1: love a good coffee. Well, hey, but what about? He's got coffee stouts, huh? Like combine them together, get a good coffee stout. Oh yeah. Sorry, that's classic baron. Oh yeah. yeah, but I think it's funny that, like, you know, the Scottish ale. Like, you do you like reds and things like that also, or?
0: When it comes down to it, I'm an equal opportunity beer drinker. <laughs> uh, you know, people ask what my favorite style is. Granted. No. Scotch ale is always going to have a soft place in my heart, but really my favorite one's the one that I haven't tried, the one that kind of challenges me. Um, I mean, there are tons that still come out Mm -hmm. because when when I think of all the beverages, I kind of compare brewing to cooking when it comes down to it. It has a lot of versatility. You can look in your refrigerator, you can see five or six ingredients and you can piece together what your meal is going to be, and if you have a good palate, you at least know the direction that your beer is going to go. I've had beers that have been made with barbecue dry rub. That is absolutely fantastic. It was, I would never have thought, right, right exactly. Of course, for that one, it's kind of like you're drinking it, and you're like, you know what I would really love? I love a side of ribs with this. Exactly. <laughs> A
1: barbecue beer. Okay, I need to try something like that. Oh
0: well, you know, kind of like rubbing the rim of your pint glass uh, with some barbecue dry rub and then pouring a blonde ale in the middle of it, you know, sort of like a Margarita okay. style.
2: Yeah, I would try that in a second.
0: <laughs> a... I mean, really, it's it's whatever seems new and interesting. And, of course, sometimes reinforcing a style that I haven't had in a long time. Just to okay, remind so myself of what it's like. Yeah. So you're
1: open to trying – because I know you have to bring a wide variety into the store. So are you open to trying all these, like the pastry stouts, these really fruity sours, anything with lactose in it? Like, Do you try almost, like a lot of the stuff that you get in?
0: Well, I can't try everything because just in one much. week. I would say in the store, if you came in today, saw our selection – and then came in two to three weeks later. I would say forty to fifty percent of the stock would have been turned over. A lot of our business is special releases, so <laughs> I definitely do my best to try everything. Uh, but well, if I tried everything, I wouldn't be a very useful well, manager at the store every- by the time I was not done.
1: <laughs> like, it's, it's styles, I should say, yeah, we don't yes. have to cash out drunk in the back. Yeah, but like, it's all that is true, and like, hey, man. I want a smoothie sour beer. What do you have? Do you have enough like saying, okay, you know what? I know we're gonna go to trippin' animals. Like I know you should try this.
0: It kind of is follow it's following a thread. The customer will give you a a starting point. And then you kind of do the decision tree when it comes down to it. Do you want classic or do you want new smoothie? Because For sours, you could go classic Belgians. You could go Gooses. You could go German Berliners. You could do Mm gozes, But those would be more on the side where I'd say, hey, this is beer first. And then whatever flavor is on there is going to be next. So if it's a raspberry goes, most of the time, it's going to have the malt characteristic up front, a little bit of salinity when it comes down to it, a tart finish, And that fruit is going to complement the experience, like a raspberry. It would present itself like a tart raspberry, unripe. Um, However, on the flip side, you have the smoothie ones that you're talking about. And these are just big, luscious fruit bombs. And the Mm -hmm. sourness, if in fact it is a sour, because sometimes if it's a smoothie, it'll just be fruit-focused. A lot of the times the sour is going to present itself, the sour flavor that is, from the fruit, and you might not find that many traces of the beer at all because in those cases, if you call something a smoothie sour, by God, I better get some a ridiculous amount of fruit out of that, you know? If you don't find it, that's a disappointment.
1: It's like, huh? There is because there is a lot of beers I think that are trendy now maybe that are kind of going out that – The beer gets lost. The actual beer happiness gets lost with all these other flavors, even um, some of like these coffee beers. There's some that I'll try. I I feel like I'm just drinking coffee. Like I get no beer, (laughs) none of that roasted malt. I get none of that. So do you think now that maybe some beer forward beers are coming back? Because I think for a while, seltzers, all that other kind of fruity, vanilla, marshmallow stuff was popular. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the beer industry, when it first started, it was more of the classic styles. It pulled from Germany. It pulled from England. It pulled from classic American styles. Um, One thing that kind of wasn't welcomed in at that point, and I'm talking like 2006, 2012, in that range, when craft was really gaining steam Pilsners and loggers were one of the only ones that were kind of pushed to the side because craft needed at least I feel like of course, needed to differentiate themselves from the bigger cra- uh, macro beers like Bush, Budweiser loggers and Pilsners was their game. We're going to explore literally everything else and fortunately for them there's a lot to explore. So you know IPAs were one of the first things that really hit it big and that's been the driving force for all of these years. Um,
1: yeah, I IPA. Having, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I remember having a conversation with an individual where, you know, if you walk into an average bar, and this was years ago, and ask for a beer, chances are you'd get a Budweiser because that was the synonymous. Kind of like the Coke, give me a Coke, or hey, right. there's Coca-Cola. That's more of a Southern thing, I know. If you walked into a craft bar and said, give me a beer, chances are you'd be handed an IPA. That's... That's Mm -hmm. the most popular style, I would say, at this point. Yeah. But much like any industry, you want to innovate. You want to figure out what's new. And exploration of flavors in beer began shortly around that time. It's like, all right, we have this. We can add chocolate to it. What else can we do? And it just kind of became a beer arms race of sorts, if you will. You know, once you got past the abv and the ibu uh escalation you went to flavors what else can we do can we make a beer that tastes like an oreo cream pie Mm. and people were working towards that and i have had beers that taste like an oreo cream pie you know on the yeah i i've had sour beers that taste like a strawberry banana smoothie and with the consistency i might add too um
1: that is and true. For- I've some that were kind of like an actual smoothie, where we've to, you pour it and it's like thick, like and clumpy, and you can't see through. And you're like, this actually feels like a smoothie. A
2: smoothie. Now I have a question. So because I'm 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 a little less versed than the two of you, right? So you're describing all these flavors: chocolate, coffee, raspberry, whatever the flavors are. Is it like you know bourbon? You can't add flavor. So are you talking that they're pulling those flavors out of the different mixture of, of hops or are they adding natural flavors?
0: So like I said, kind of like cooking, you can add fruits. You can, add, I mean, you can add vegetables to the brewing process. I'm going to admit I have some experience with home brewing, but that is, I will get myself in trouble at that point because I definitely don't know enough. It's been years. So, Dang. um, But yeah, you can do that, or you can add extracts when it comes down to it. Mm. Um, You can purchase them pre-made and add them to the beer during the brewing process, and it will present that flavor. Uh, Similar to how you now have Coke Freestyle machines, and you can say, hey, I want an orange Coke. That's oversimplified, but it gives you an idea.
2: It does. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: yeah,
1: because yeah, you can add a uh, fruit puree. I've done that before. Um, I made a coffee porter a few years back and I had to do uh, – I had to make a cold brew coffee and then you can add that. So you get more flavor if you actually – instead of the extracts. Extracts sometimes don't taste very True. authentic. No, they don't. But in order to – I know for fruit, there was one time um, my husband and I, we tried making an IPA with peaches. Oh We bought so many damn peaches. You got to boil them. You got to puree them. God, it took so long to do. And I'm like, I, when it was done, I'm like, hmm, I have a faint taste of peach. I didn't use enough. So, it's like a balance. But yeah, when you get these beers, uh, these big craft beers, they're actually, they're they're putting that stuff in there. They're not using extract. Cool. You can tell the oh, companies yeah. that do the extract.
0: There's uh, one brewery that we pick up pretty regularly, uh, Untitled Art. And they will actually break down the poundage of the amount of fruit that they use per brew. And that's impressive. That's cool. Like, oh, yeah.
1: They, they make oh. some good stuff. I will say of anything that has ever been fruited, I mean, everything they make is spot on. I, I can say everything I've ever tried, you're like, damn, I think I've had a, a pineapple upside down cake one there before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. You I it to mean, me, and it was amazing.
0: Every year, they put out a uh, Christmas pickle beer, too, and that sucker uh-huh. tastes like pickle brine. Talk about divisive, but it's spot on when it comes down to it.
2: No kidding. I would drink mm-hmm. that. I would try anything, really. I would
0: drink
1: that. My husband bought it. I think you coerced him to buying it, and he's like, oh, I feel like I just open up a jar of, like, Vlasic, you know, pickles, and just, just chugging it, but... It did taste spot on. Pickle.
0: Hey, I coerce with the best of intentions, okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but listen, sometimes it's fun to try because, yeah. like you said, there's so many that are out there. And it's fun to actually try some of these and be like, hey, you know, this actually isn't that bad. Yeah. Um, have you had any beers recently that you're like, man, I don't think I'm going to like it? And then you actually try it and you're like, hey, this isn't half bad.
0: Oh, man. Regularly? Like,
1: Because there's so much that's out there. It's like there has to be something that you're like, I don't want to drink that. And then you're like, huh, I'm pleasantly surprised at this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I call them challenge beers in the back of my head where it's presented and you see what they've done on the label and you just want to call bullshit. You're like, (laughs) you know what? There's no way. I call bullshit. There you did not make this taste good. (laughs) The one that always comes to mind is a sour. Oh, gosh. And now that I'm on the spot, it's one of those things that's going to just leave my brain. Here plums (laughs) the sun. There we go. Yay. Here plums (laughs) the sun. It was cinnamon, (laughs) nutmeg, plums, and coffee in a, I believe, a Berliner-based sour. And it's one of those ones. Yes, that's a lot. That's a mouthful. Yes. I mean, that's a mouthful even if it wasn't on a sour, but you add the tartness in there. And it's like, it you're challenging me. It worked beautifully and it made me a believer in it. And that was, that was just one of the first ones I, I recommended the hell out of that because I wanted other people to have the same experience and it developed a cult following. No. Um, and there was a, a funny, the ones that always come to mind are sours, but there was a, another sour with chai and white chocolate. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. it just okay. ended up, the <laughs> white chocolate added a creaminess to it. No like kidding. it wasn't like big and in your face and sweet, but it like smoothed things out and it finished tartly, kind of like mm. a Meyer lemon pie with some white chocolate icing on top.
2: Okay. See, now then, when you put it into that context, I can literally taste that. <laughs> I because I've done that with, you know, a literally a nutmeg spiced crust. I did a cranberry lemon gelée and then a white chocolate on the top. But like what you originally said, I'm like chai and white chocolate, ah, uh, sour. Um, but then when you describe it in that way, I'm like, that makes sense then. In my It's pit, all
0: about like, putting the yeah, pieces it. together.
2: Wow. I need to go. I feel like I'm going to go to the liquor store after this and drag my three-year-old along like that's appropriate and just fill up my cards with so many random
0: things. (laughs) My store is a family-friendly establishment, so you'd be welcome to bring your three-year-old.
2: She always comes to sniff the bourbon section with me, so they've seen her plenty of times.
0: (laughs) Bourbon smells great. (laughs) <laughs>
1: well, and I think a lot of like these bottle shops now and breweries are getting more family friendly because, you know, we're yeah. young parents and we want to drink responsibly. And I know when we go to Tipples, uh, my kids, my best friend, Christy, her kids, we always go together and they hang out. There's like things to eat and they like, you know, watch TV. So it's, it's actually it's, it's fun. But yeah. now, since you don't know a lot, a lot about beer and you want to try stuff, this is something I wanted. We've talked about this. You do like IPAs. I of so,
2: IPAs, this is when
1: you're looking for IPAs, pale ales. Now, Mike, explain why is it important to try to look for something that's fresher. Yeah. So when you look at that born on date in the can, why do you want to go fresher for like the IPAs?
0: Well, it's not necessarily just IPAs, and there are some exceptions. Um, for many beverages, wine, coffee, beer, there are a set four enemies when it comes down to preserving the most optimum flavor. And that's time, because if you let it get old, oxidization can set in, and that can add a cardboardy characteristic. Light. So back in the day, clear bottles, it can get light struck. Hops are most susceptible to that, if I remember correctly. So that's one of the things that can turn a beer skunky or degrade the flavor profile of the hops. Temperature. You don't want to bake it. Those things are living organisms. Don't freeze it. Don't cook it. And the other one. Now that I dug myself a hole, (laughs) I can't remember the other one. I'll have to come back to that.
2: Those ones you did, great. But
0: when it comes down to it, time is one of the major enemies of hops because it's the fastest to just degrade in regards to the flavor profile. Mm -hmm. Now, back in the day when IPAs were created, I mean – the story was they were over hopped. So by the time it made it all the way over to India for, you know, the British Empire, when the sun never set on the British Empire, it would taste like the bitters that they had back home. It was a little taste of home. Yeah. So I would imagine at that point when the craft beer industry was getting up and home brewers who pretty much powered that revolution were digging into classic recipes created IPAs, and then drank them way more fresh than beforehand. And that's, I imagine, why everybody fell in love with it. So the fresher the beer, the quicker you get to it, the more punch those hops have. Uh, And we actually inadvertently did a test at the store. We we did a blind tasting, and we took five of the more common beers in this area because One thing that I've learned, craft beer is regional when it comes down to it. Each area has a different preferred style, a different, you know, different style of IPA that's even more popular.
1: Yeah, the popularity is different, varying from East Coast, West Coast, South Florida to where we live here in North Central Florida.
0: Exactly. But we did a blind tasting. We took five different beers, uh, Dogfish Head, Uh, 90-minute IPA. We did Bell's Two-Hearted. We did Swamp Heads Big Nose, uh, Cigar City Highlight, and First Magnitude Ursa. And we presented the five beers, didn't tell the customers what they were drinking, and they ranked them in order of how they liked it. And unfortunately, the Dogfish Head, I believe it was 60-minute, 60-minute ranked last. And that's a Delightful beer. It's a great example of the style. It wasn't until afterwards, because I was trying to figure out the problem, that beer was eight months old, and all of the other ones were in one to two months. And people just didn't dig the the hops had fallen off, so they didn't recognize it as an IPA anymore.
1: And, and that does make sense because I've I've had older IPAs by accident buying them. They don't taste fresh. They don't taste juicy. You know, it just has more of a, I don't want to say stale, but more of a flat taste to it. Whereas if you have some of these that are a little bit fresher, like you're getting them at the source or they were just canned a couple weeks ago. I feel like with the hops, the hops are brighter.
0: Absolutely. And
1: just like when we have um, like civil society, like fresh, just like the can says, if you don't drink it fresh, it falls flat.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the front end, the thing that you first get greeted with is going to be that hop presence. It's going to hit you. With that alpha acid your taste buds are going to recognize it it's going to start to water a little bit then in the middle you're going to get that supporting malt bridge of course this is generalization but that malt will be supporting you until you get to the finish where depending on the style that's utilized you can have that long lingering tannic bite of the classic west coast Or you can have that thirst-quenchingly citrusy characteristic or tropical characteristic at the end if you're going for hazies.
1: Yeah. And that right there too, you know, for a while, um, West Coast IPAs seem to be huge. Like I used to see those all over the place. They kind of died down a little bit, but now I'm starting to see a little bit more resurgence of West Coast IPAs kind of coming back out.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the West Coast style. I mean, and I always go back to the craft beer revolution. It was the West Coast that was kind of driving it. Stuff like Sierra Nevada. Uh, mm-hmm. You got Rogue over in Oregon. These were some of these breweries that we encountered first. Anchor Steam, of course, is one of the great, or Anchor Brewery. I, mm-hmm. It's like Kleenex in some cases. It's Anchor Steam is the beer. Anchor Brewery is the, but that just kind of shows the the prominence that that beer has in my my mind. But those styles were piney, grapefruity, bitter. Um, Yeah, like
1: Stone, like the Stone beers.
0: Oh, yeah. Stone, absolutely. Stone was like one of those rising stars that hit the scene like a phoenix just blazing. I feel Um, like back
1: in the day, Stone and Dogfish Head, like the East Coast and the West Coast, they both were the ones who really started pushing IPAs. They're the mm -hmm. ones who started making these... Um, you remember Stone was an arrogant bastard and double bastard. They started getting those real big hoppies, the doubles, and now it's so common. Almost every brewery has the doubles and the triples. But I feel like Stone is what really started pushing that.
0: Oh, absolutely, uh, and that it was so popular. Every brewery that started up needed to have a core IPA that was available. Well, okay, not everyone, but most well. of them did. Right. Most of them have an IPA to hang their hat on because that's what people were looking for. And then fast forward to about three or four years ago, uh, the Heady Topper started making its legendary rounds of like, hey, I had this beer. Oh, they say to drink it from the can. The whole reason was that is because it was unfiltered, which it has thus the is. hazy terminology, mm-hmm. because if you poured it in your glass and you looked at it you're like, hey, number one, this isn't clear. Number two, what the hell is floating in my beer? I don't even want to, you know. It would freak people out okay, at that, that point. Was it was new. Before.
1: The first time I had, I put into a glass. And I was like, oh, there's like chunks in here. And then I wrote the a <laughs> can. <was> like, <laughs> so like the alchemist, it, it says on there, drink from the can. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. It was chunky. But it's Proof amazing. of
0: how accepting the craft beer world has become in just four years when it comes down to it. Gone from, hey, what's in my IPA to that smoothie sour isn't chunky enough. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: God, that's awesome. <laughs> that's I want awesome. to hold a
0: spoon up in it and I want it to be straight up at 180 degrees. Yes.
2: Like <laughs> but, uh, made, like ice cream. Thick. Oh yeah.
0: Mm. And that gets back to the question that you asked beforehand. That I don't think I, I finished. Uh, what styles are kind of waxing and popular or waning and wait, waxing mm-hmm. or waning, Both. basically becoming less popular and what's moving in. Yeah. Uh, The smoothie sours that we talked about and the big dessert stouts, they've seen a touch of a downturn. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, those can be seasonal because, you know, fruity sours can be very thirst quenching when the weather's hot. And who doesn't like a big stout beer when it's cold? But at least in my store, their traction is kind of slowed down a bit. I'll bring them in and, you know, they might have a certain style might hang out for a week or or two to three weeks. But what's coming back into popularity, I've had more people asking for classic West Coast style IPAs, mm. the bitter, piney, dank, hoppy characteristics. Um, and for the first time, and this is me speaking, I, from what I feel, I feel like pilsners and lagers are becoming way more acceptable. And those easy drinkers are starting to slide back in mm. um, or emerge for the first time. Yeah. And to me, that kind of shows craft is here to stay. Interesting. Back in the day, if you had a lager, like I said, you were the other guys, you were macro. Now, people are admitting, hey, it's okay to have a pilsner or a lager. But as I like to call it, a pilsner and a lager with a soul, you know, <laughs> with a good mal- malt balance, with hops, not just mm, right. this is liquid carbonation, but... There's a lot more depth to lagers and pilsners than one would think.
2: Right.
1: And they're great for, like you said, they're a little easier to drink, especially, you know, when the weather starts getting a little warmer. Sometimes it's kind of hard to get a, a a high, you know, you get like a double IPA. That's a little too hard to drink. But like these pilsners. And I noticed like some of our local breweries now, they all have lagers out now. They're brewing lagers. So it's like the first time I'm actually seeing small breweries with lagers. Mm. And Pilsner's, uh, mostly lagers, though, but it's it's kind of nice because you don't have to go to the big macro breweries to get them. You can get exactly. them fresh right from the source. Right. So that is exciting to see those kind of come um, into play right now. Oh, yeah. Now, what about some of these IPAs? Because I know we see a lot of doubles, triples, and quad IPAs. Yeah. And now, Kate, those mean like you're getting eight, nine, 10% IPAs, 11%, which usually you see in stouts and porters. Right. Oh, no, no.
0: (laughs) Or Belgians also when it comes down. Yeah.
1: Hmm. So are those still... I mean, you know, I go for the regular IPAs and some doubles. Um, Are those still super popular? Are people still looking for like the triples and those really high
0: ABV? Oh, man. I mean, the ABV Chase is not as big as it used to be. Mm -hmm. I think it's more of hey, that beer seems really interesting, or I like this brewery, I want to support them, I haven't been disappointed with them at all, I'm going to give it a shot. If I was going to say the more popular version of the IPA, I'd say people lean towards doubles. I think it strikes a malt and hop balance that just hits that sweet spot for a lot of IPA drinkers. Though... Since we have a little bit more easy drinkers like the loggers and pilsners, which are typically low ABV, I've actually been having more success recently with pale ales, which would be the lower ABV version of IPAs. You're knocking on like four, five, 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 and they're also becoming more acceptable and more popular because people are like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be being social for three hours and." If I'm going to be drinking double (laughs) IPAs at 8.5 percent, it's not going to be a good day tomorrow, and it might not even be a good end of the afternoon. Depending,
1: no, there's there's been many nights at Tipple's where someone's been throwing up outside. Oh Lord, you need like we all hang out, yeah, and then we start power drinking. And there's been times I tell my husband like, go buy pizza, and he buys pizza for everyone in there. But that's why you said pale ales and like sessions. Love a good session. Because they are so light. now Oh, absolutely. What about not some of the heavier beers? Because I know some, like like Kate, you know, yeah. she's a big foolproof bourbon girl, which, you know, with Bourbon Ooh. World, people like to go for the higher proof. Yeah. Now, what about, like, some of these stouts that we have, like these, these uh, bourbon barrel-aged stouts? Some of those come in at, like, a higher proof. Yeah. Um, are those still kind of popular? Like, I, I see that's another one that kind of ebbs and flows maybe with the season. With like the bourbon barrel-aged beers?
0: That definitely comes down to preference. I mean, like I said, in wintertime, the bigger, higher ABVs are going to be much more popular. Because, I mean, who doesn't like the image of sitting in a high back chair with a roaring fire in the fireplace with your feet up and a snifter of a giant-ass 14.5% barrel-aged stout just taken in the bouquet as you kind of unwind, and it's freaking freezing outside, and guess what? You're not, you know? Yeah. It's kind yeah, it's of... Like, yeah, it's like a toasty drink. It's satisfying, you know? Mm-hmm. And those suckers can sometimes drink like a meal, of course. Uh, they can be thick. They can have multiple uh, layers of depth. Sorry, my cat just got down, and I have a fluff storm going on over here. Um <laughs> But even when we get down into the warmer summer months, there's always going to be people who that's their preference. That's, that's like what they want to do. That's the period at the end of their day. You know, I'm done with work. I don't have anything else to do. I'm gonna put my feet up and crack one of these bottles and just unwind. And for something like that, I always say that you know it's a really good beer when you don't want to finish the last sip. Because that means you can't smell it anymore because the smell is just so great. And you're like, I could just smell this for the next 45 minutes. barrel aged stouts typically have that depth, uh, that complexity that just keep you going back for more. I would say stouts kind of are meant to be savored. While IPAs, while they can be savored, they can also be thirst quenching and they tend to go down a little faster, you know? Yeah, Yeah. You yeah. kind of
1: nurse the stouts a little bit more. Right. Um I, I mean like, you can I can ruminate like over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and some of the stouts, like you know, you have those big heavy ones like the the bourbon barrel ones and stuff has a lot of thickness in it. But I think you and I were talking about the other day at the store, Baltic porters are making a comeback. They're not super heavy and they like in your words are delightful because that's like an OG style. Um Absolutely. it is just I've seen more of those popping up at breweries now, and it's really fantastic because to look at it, you're thinking, shoot, man, this is like thick, this is heavy. And then you try it, you're like, oh my God, I was completely wrong. So then for really-
2: me, the less expert, explain what that is. That particular so
0: style. The Baltic Porter actually falls into the lager family. It's a lagered beer, which means it's fermented at colder temperatures and typically will be crisper when it comes down to it. Therefore, it doesn't have as heavy of a malt load when you're drinking it. Um,
1: It's not thick.
0: And funny about the Baltic Porter, every year we do a holiday tasting and it's kind of a holiday beer tasting, kind of a farewell to the year, getting ready to start the new one. And one Baltic Porter has made it for the past four to five years, and that I will probably butcher it, is the Trois Muscatari Baltic Porter Especial, which is essentially a Baltic Porter that they age both in rum and brandy barrels. And, yeah, and talk about a beer that is has both depth and heat. Hmm. Um, granted, I believe it clocks in right at about 11%. And from that barrel characteristic, you get some toasty toffee mixed in with it. Uh, Baltic porters and porters in general will have some coffee notes to it. They will have some tart cherry notes as well. So you get some brightness along with that dark, roasty coffee quality. It's kind of the best of both worlds.
1: It really is some of my favorites.
0: Oh, yeah. Or as I like to call it, it's the perfect beer when you want a stout, but it's 95 degrees outside. Interesting. Because you'll have iced coffee, just saying.
1: Kate's like, I need to go to a local bottle shop now.
0: I, I, I feel
2: like I, I'm really appreciating this conversation. Um, I feel like I'm learning things I had no clue about. And I think a, a lot of people, at least in my, my, my little world, I have a lot of friends who drink beer. I don't think they know half of what we're discussing here. Um, so it's just so, <laughs> there's such a world out there um, in the beer world that um it's cool. I just feel like I'm learning a lot. So many different flavors, and, and um, like what you just described with a beer on a 95 degree day, but it's stouty, if I'm getting that right, like yeah. rich or whatever, but it's still crisp. I love it. <laughs> I just want to go to the liquor store for this.
1: It, it, make, it makes you want to try something different, which it I think really is, does. And, and there's so much out there, and I think it's really good to support, like, you know, your local breweries. Whenever I go out of town, Whenever we travel, we always try to look up, like, what breweries are here or close by and, like, do a flight. Like, we just do yeah. a flight and try what they have. And then, it, it, like I said, it's exciting to kind of see some of these OG styles coming back in. Um, now, Kate, now, she has some good breweries around her up in Chicago. Tons. One of my oh, favorites yes. that she's gone to, Three Floyds. Love oh. that. Yeah. Is Mike, is there a brewery that you are just dying to go to? Is there one you're like, man, I got to put this on my bucket list? Um, In all honesty,
0: Maine Brewing Company would be absolutely fantastic to go to. I mean, you can always do Alchemist, Treehouse, Trillium. Those are the big boys. But since we picked up Maine, if if I had to drink one brewery for the rest of my life, I think I might hang my hat on Maine when it comes down to it. Hmm. They, they have a good variety. One hundred percent. And their brewing style is nuanced. It it does a fantastic job of presenting the hops, but at the same time supports it with an unobtrusive malt body. And before you know it, your bottle's empty and you're wondering where the hell did my beer go? Because you just it's like on autopilot. You just want to have another sip. Absolutely. Um, And we've gotten stouts and yeah.
1: Stouts are delicious. I wouldn't even think about that brewery, but you're right. Everything I've had from there. Has been spot on from their pale ales to their mean old Tom stouts. So
0: absolutely, and knows? their IPAs range up to dinner. Uh, I'm sure. I'm a firm believer that a lot of the breweries keep their really crazy good stuff at the brewery because you got to have a lure to bring them in. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't don't send all your good beer out. Otherwise, the local villagers might burn down your castle for not having the stuff <laughs> that they want. You know.
1: The um, pillaging,
0: <laughs> exactly. Hey, no, you know, that is here's a part of pillaging. I'm sure.
1: That could, <laughs> listen, that could be fun. Getting drunk and start pillaging. That can be. Ooh.
2: That can be something.
1: Can Mike,
2: have you ever heard of Pipeworks? Because Sam hasn't heard of it. She doesn't know if it's in Florida. It's a Chicago brewery. It's probably one of my favorites. But I don't know if you've heard of them since you're, you know, kind of on the in in terms of. Oh
0: man. There's so many breweries out there, it's hard to be on the end. It's exploding like a a, you know, the big bang, it just keeps going. Right? I have heard of Pipeworks. I want to say two years ago, I might have had the pleasure of trying a 16 ounce can from them. Yeah, I want to say it was a sour, but unfortunately, that's that's all I got at this point. But I have heard of them.
2: Yeah, there's Chicago. I mean, that's like as versed as I get in terms of like really knowing the brewery and having a very particular like uh beer that I gravitate for um outside of just like a regular, you know, like Corona or Modelo or whatever, but um yeah, I have to send you some Sam and then she can share it with you cause, yeah. okay. and see what you guys think. I'd be curious, you know, just like I, I recommend or um I take recommendations from my bourbon friends or whatever. Same with my beer ones. So I'd be curious what you guys think, being that you're bigger beer drinkers, um, what you think. And if you're like, Kate, this sucks. Try this instead. Well, then I would do that. You know?
1: Listen, I don't think it's going to suck. But yes, it's, it's, really- it's always fun to try. And like you said, see how the different um, region of the country, see what's popular right there. So right. yeah, I'm totally down to try it. Right. Just send you oh, some beans, cool. little beers. We got some good breweries around us in Florida. So
2: yeah, well, no. good ones around us up by my cabin. There's some good ones we always go to, um, and I do the same. Like I'll do a flight because then I can really just and I, and I'll tell the person, listen, I'm not choosing, but I want you to give me a complete nutter variety. Those five little cups, I want you to fill them up with five completely different things because I don't know what I'm willing to try. Um, and I always like them. They're always just different as long as they have, like, bold flavors, at least. That's all I got. Nothing
1: wrong with that. Just sample exact, the sample the what the brewery has. I think that's yeah. good. Yeah. Try Absolutely. them. Absolutely.
0: It's one of the well, best my, ways to find your favorite.
1: Right. Thank and you, then, Mike, uh, for giving us your knowledge, man. I mean, like, I felt like I know stuff, but now I'm like, I don't know stuff. I don't know a thing.
0: <laughs> no.
2: I don't know a damn thing. I don't. <laughs> we, we,
0: we got <laughs> school, but. No. no, that's the thing. You're always learning. That's the thing. Right. There's Without always something new.
1: Right. No, that, no, it's great. I mean, that's just great information. It's great to have like these talks about beer. That is like you said, more than just like, hey, man, go grab a Bud Light. It's like, no, let's talk about beer. Let's talk about Real different beer. flavors and just different right. things that are out there. So right. thank you for taking the time to come on and talk with us and drinking with us and being friends. Yeah.
0: Thank yeah. you all for having me on. It was a pleasure.
1: It was truly, I feel like it was really my pleasure. I feel like, I, like, so giddy.
2: wow, the whole time, like really just learning. There's so much more that I don't know that I'm um, excited to kind of explore based off of this conversation. It was pretty fucking cool.
1: Well, I mean, if anyone, if you're ever in the Gainesville, Florida area, guys, stop by Tipple's Brews and Wines because there is beer, there is wine. And I feel like everyone in that store is really knowledgeable. So you mm-hmm. can walk in sit down hang out and just try you guys have so much good stuff like i get overwhelmed when i go in there so right
0: thank you thank you very much
1: everyone come to gainesville come see us at tipples all right well thanks everyone we will catch you guys next time bye remember every poor has a story thanks for listening
2: and we'll we'll catch catch you on on the next next episode episode of drinks with with
0: friends. friends Make sure to give us a review so others can find the show. And remember, every poor has a story.